Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Okay, what do you get when you get two Devils personalities who have to cover a very mediocre team? Well, you get two Devils media personalities just sulking in their misery. So please welcome Jersey Joe to the show. He's been on this show before, but uh, the context is a little different because we did an episode uh, after the first game of the year in which Jack Hughes got the game-winning goal against the Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, Joe, a, a lot has changed for the Devils and not for the betterment. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of changes on this time. I mean, you can listen to our voices from that first episode, but now it's like a complete 180. So there's there's a lot to uh, talk about, and there's a lot going on where Lindy Ruff pretty much is losing the room, if not already losing it. Yeah, we'll talk about Lindy Ruff a little bit uh, later. But first, I, I just want to talk about expectations for this team because coming into the season, I thought this team, like, fully healthy, things of that nature. I thought we could be, like, a dark horse team if we were competing for, like, a, a wild card spot. I, I knew we wouldn't be one of the top three teams in the Metropolitan Division. I knew that wasn't realistic uh, from that standpoint. However, I just – thought that maybe we'd be uh, just, just like I said, just competing for a wild card spot. And I actually found something interesting. If, if the NHL was to theoretically do a bubble for the COVID outbreak, we would actually be one of the teams invited. We would just be doing a play in, but uh, our chances would be slim, but uh, nonetheless, it's just like, you know, we, we, we have not reached expectations and I think it's worse than last year because last year I didn't have many expectations. However, this season, obviously, with the acquisition of Dougie Hamilton, uh, we got Jonathan Bernier, Thomas Tatar. Uh, we, we saw the surgeons of Dawson Mercer. We saw the hype for Alexander Holtz. Unfortunately, he's just not ready yet. Um, what were your expectations coming into this season, Jersey, Joe? My expectations was at least no higher than a seventh and eighth seed at the, at the ceiling and be somewhere between – about eighth and 16th if it were come down to the draft lottery. So that was kind of my expectation out of it if things were to go proper. Yeah, so at the time of this recording, uh, the Devils are actually currently playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, there's a minute left in the first period of play, and the Devils are trailing one to nothing. Currently, we are on a five-game uh, losing streak. It's been bad the last few games, but – um, what was the biggest disappointment you would say? Like which player has just disappointed you the most, the player that you had high expectations for coming into the season and then just completely fell flat on their face? Uh, for me, it has to be, I know he's kind of surging a little bit, but he's taking a little while to surge and it is Tomas Tatar. And I think the system he's playing in is pretty toxic May, may I use that? I mean, offensively, he's starting to pick up, but he just has been falling flat for me early on, and, and he's slowly catching up. Hmm. Well, you know, I did have high expectations for Tatar because when we first um, signed him, I was like, okay, here's a diamond in the rough kind of player. Here's our top six kind of guy just because 
Um, if we think about it from this standpoint, like he was able to lead uh, the Montreal Canadiens in, in scoring just a couple seasons ago. Unfortunately, he was benched for a majority of their uh, Stanley Cup finals run just a season ago. And when we got him, I was just like, okay, his defense is not that good, but his offense is actually pretty solid. And we got our top six guy, but the player I'm going to say is Sharon Govich because last year I, I constantly said throughout the entirety of the season that Sharon Govich was my favorite player just because I loved his backstory. I loved his, um, I, I, I just loved his journey getting to the NHL fifth round pick uh, uh, out of uh, Belarus. No one really anticipated much from him like his chances to get to the NHL were pretty pretty slim because you know your chances of making the NHL if you're a fifth round draft pick are like five percent or things of that nature and the fact that he worked uh, over in Belarus he worked uh, in our AHL program and the fact that he basically earned his spot because he did so well in training camp and you know he went from a, just a bomb six kind of guy to getting the game-winning goal against the Boston Bruins and just basically putting his name on the map and just like you there people saying like, you know, Oh, who is this guy? Like, like, you know, where, where is he from? You know, that things of that nature. So um, yeah, I would have to say Sharon Govich coming into this year, I had high expectations. He did actually pretty well in the scrimmages, but he, he's just not reached expectations. And we we've tried everything. We, we tried putting him on the top line, uh, top six and unfortunately he's just completely fallen flat on his face and he's had his moments here and there but for the most part I I think what he was able to do last season he's nowhere close to doing it this season so he's been the biggest disappointment in my opinion I mean coaching wise if you were able to let him play with a Yanni Kwokin Jack we know can be a really great playmaker great stick handler you know, great at passing, except maybe for one play tonight to to Dougie. But still, I would think the chemistry with Sharon Govich on, you know, the uh, on the on the forehand side of Jack Hughes would make a lot more sense um, because she, Sharon Govich could get the pucks off really quick, and he did have success with Quoganin last year. But I think it's a chemistry problem for him. A chemistry problem hmm, that's that's actually pretty interesting because i didn't think about that because we do need to uh you know take into consideration that jack hughes uh got hurt the second game of the year against the seattle kraken so um we we always knew that jack hughes can thrive without sharon govich and quokinen however the question was and mainly this was at quokinen can can sharon govich and quokinen thrive without jack hughes and i thought sharon govich yeah absolutely as long as he has a good centerman i'm sure he'll be just fine but um, for Yanni Kwokinen, he he's another player who I had mild expectations for. Like out of the top line last last season between him, Sharon Govich, and Hughes, Kwokinen had the least amount of production, but it was still respectable uh, for what we were you know expecting out of him. And unfortunately, this season, it, I sometimes forget that he's on the roster. Quite honestly, like sometimes I just forget he's there. So. You know, maybe it is a chemistry thing, but at the same time, you know, the 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 fact still stands that both of them have um, depleted expectations because, you know, I, I always called my show Locked on Sharon Govich. I said Sharon Govich was my favorite player. Uh, I still like Sharon Govich, don't get me wrong, but it's just like I, I expect just a little bit better from him, if, if that makes sense. But 
I don't know. It's just, it, it's just frustrating, man, because it's just like the, the, this team had a decent amount of expectations going into the season. And yet somehow, some way we're, we're unable to just, um, how would I say this? We're, we're just unable to even meet expectations, which, which weren't really that high. But um, th- that kind of leads into my next thing. And that's the coaching staff. Like, what are your opinions on the coaching staff? Because I, l- l- let me just paint this picture. And I said on my show before, the reason why Lindy Ruff decided to keep around everybody on the coaching staff from last year was just because he felt as though it would be unfair to fire everybody just because like, you know, the season didn't go as planned, obviously, but you know, this was a COVID uh, type of season. Uh, We only played 56 games, no practice, no film, nothing really involving big crowds or anything. So he just felt like it would be unfair to assess them after that season. But you know, sometimes when you give someone a second chance, it doesn't always work out. And this is the case right here. So what are your opinions on the coaching staff? Well, first off, let's talk about Mark Recchi. Everyone who's done the fire Recchi chant, uh, I don't blame them for saying that. And he deserves every bit of it. I mean, if, if anyone has read a bit of The Art of War, there's a line where it talks about if it's the fault of the general where the, you know, the general makes things clear, you know, and there's the soldiers do everything in their part to do something right. And things weren't communicated properly. I blame it on the coaching staff. And so Recky is part of that. And so is Nasruddin and Nasruddin. We've been seeing the defense ever since the game against Minnesota and Winnipeg. The devil's been letting up at least four goals, five goals a game. And I have to also blame some of the players with it too. And it has to do with, you know, they're either fine tuning out the player. I mean, the players fine tuning out the coach. So there is a bit of both to blame, but if you get rid of the coaching staff, then you have the players to hold accountable next. Yeah, uh, accountability is definitely important uh, because, you know, I I haven't left the players off the hook because if a player is not stepping up their game, I call them out on the show. But uh, I guess the million dollar question, Joe, is that uh, is it time to move on from Lindy Ruff? Because I've been very I think out of every Devils fan out out of every Devils media personality, I think I've been the most patient with them. I was just like, hold up. Let's not fire him quite yet. Let's give him a chance. I think he's leading us in the right direction. He got the most out of a lot of our young players last season. So, you know, some of them are off to slow starts, but like, you know, let, let, let's slow down a little bit. We need some sort of stability, stability when it comes to a head coach, because if, if Lindy Ruff is hypothetically fired within the next week or so, this will be Jack Hughes's fourth head coach in a matter of two years. And you, you can't have that for your star player because your star player needs an established system so that way you can have a plan to, to execute. So my question for you, Joe, do we fire Lindy Ruff? Do we fire the entirety of the coaching staff? Do we fire some of the coaching staff or do we leave it as it, as it is right now? I think what it comes down to is if it comes down to the head coach getting fired, you're also looking at guys like, Reiki and Nasruddin, who've been underperforming this year. And last year, even in the bubble, I mean, the bubble season that the Devils had, they underperformed in power plays. And that was in Reiki's first year with the Devils. 
So I, I hold accountability to him even more this year because, you know, guys like Sharon Govich, guys like Jack Hughes and Dougie Hamilton should be scoring at will. And the Devils traditionally, even on their subpar years, are still pretty good on the power play. And I can see why Pittsburgh said no to uh, Recky. And Nazardine's been, like I said, he's been here too long. He's another John Hines guy. He just, to me, doesn't fit the mold anymore. I would rather have someone like a Breland or a Deneen brought up to replace them. So speaking of uh, potential head coaches, you actually, uh, before we start recording, you actually told me a list of head coaches that the New Jersey Devils are possibly looking at. Now, I'm not sure if you want to name your sources or not. Well, if you want to leave it anonymous, that's perfectly fine. But um, who are some of those candidates that the Devils are looking at? I just want to say for the record, nothing is confirmed. Nothing is denied. This is just like exploring the, the options just a little bit. Worse comes to worse. So from my anonymous insider, I was told Claude Julien is in there. Um, that's what anonymous is hearing. Uh, John Tortorella has mentioned uh, the big whale out there is Ricard Grunberg, who is the Swedish uh, coach in the Swiss NLA league for the uh, Zurich lions. And the Devils actually had um, interest in him and he had interest in the Devils, but his uh, club contractually said no um, about a year or two ago. And Kevin Deneen is the worst case scenario for head coach. Why is uh, Kevin Deneen the worst case scenario? I mean, because because that's the that's our uh, Utica Comets head coach, right? Right. Well, th- it's like you want to have your internal option. Um, like you always want to have your fallback plan internal. So let's say something doesn't work out with the first couple guys, at least you got someone from within your organization, you know about, and they know about the players. I think they, in the end, they might as well go with Deneen, who is not exactly a retrend exactly, but he has coached in the past but he's gotten back to being in the AHL and come to work his way back in the NHL. I feel as though if we do hire Kevin Demean as our next head coach, I feel as though he would be like an interim head coach. Like I don't see him as a long-term solution. I get what you're saying. And I just think that's setting him up for failure because right now he's establishing a great thing in our AHL program, just, uh, you know, uh, I, I, rem- I remember uh, seeing Alex Chabonsi of the hockey writers uh, tweet this out saying that uh, the Utica comments were like eight, one and two, or I mean, I'm sorry, 18, one and two, to, just to make that better. But um, uh, yeah, but I, I feel as though if we bring them up, especially into this dumpster fire, we're just setting them up for failure. And that's another thing is like, it's going to be a hard pitch to like, get a decent coach to New Jersey because they're just going to think like, look, you guys are a dumpster fire. You're not going anywhere. You have all this talent on this roster, yet we can't get the most out of it. And um, you're just setting me up for failure. I don't know. At first I was a fan of the Mark Recchi hiring by Lindy Ruff because I was thinking Mark Recchi, former player, um, you know, he's a champion. He's played on a championship uh, franchise before. Uh, I think he was a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins' um, 
uh, uh, championship season a while ago I, I, in the front office. So I'm just like, okay, I like this. I like this. Maybe, maybe he can bring that experience to the bench for the New Jersey Devils. But the more I think about it, it's just like, think about all the talent in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, because some of them are still there. He couldn't get the most out of those players. How is he going to get the best out of our players, players who still have not established themselves in the league? Like, I think our most established player, and this is arguable, uh, is Dougie Hamilton, because Dougie Hamilton is already in a running for a major NHL award, which is the um, the Norris Trophy. But, you know, even he still has room to grow. And Jack Hughes is like, we know what we can get out of Jack Hughes, but we don't. Uh, but the the entire league doesn't. So. I, uh, you know, th- th- that's how I think about it from that perspective. So I, I-, I just don't know. I-, I just don't know who who would want to come to New Jersey to just coach us. Because if I'm, if I'm a free agent head coach, I'm just like, I don't want to come over here just because I feel like you'd be setting me up for failure. Well, I mean, Tortorella, can put, he, he has a short fuse, but he would get a lot work in the system that he wants. And it's about how much autonomy does he want. And, you know, you look at Tom Fitzgerald, he should have gone with Gerard Gallant while he had the chance. And he was my favorite at that time when I was with the puck authority, I was like, this guy Gallant has done really well with Florida. He's done very well in Vegas and he gets kicked out every three years. And my thing is like, he does well with veterans and young guys, but you know, the devils have to look at it this way. Julien, you know, he has history with the devils. He's also coached against the devils and he's coached in Boston and in Montreal. And he's done really well with guys in Boston that goalies like Tuka Rask and so on and so forth probably dealt with Hamilton on several occasions and you just think of it this way. Like I rather have someone who's seasoned and not too calm, but has a good patience and a balanced attack, you know, kind of like Montreal had for a little while with Julien, but I could see maybe a, a reunification with him. If Tortorella doesn't want to come and if Gromberg can't come. So I think those are my first two choices out of those uh, mentioned. But okay. I'm not against Deneen coming up, but I would rather wait for him next couple of seasons. I mean, if he does come up, I would want him like not as at the helm of it, but he could be on the bench, but just not at the helm of everything. Cause I just don't think, I, I don't think that's in his best interest, but you do raise up some interesting uh, topics and actually a, a topic that you just brought up was uh, Gerard Gallant because uh, the, I, I talked about it in my show recently because look where the Washington Capitals are at right now and look where the New York Rangers are at right now. And who's the head coach of the Washington Capitals? Peter LaViolette. And who's the head coach of the New York Rangers? Gerard Gallant. And uh, like I told Devils fans, do those two names sound familiar? Those are two names that uh, potentially could have been our next head coach. But I, I think for Lavi, uh, we weren't willing to give him the money that he wanted. And for Gerard Gallant, I think we just flat out passed on him for Lindy Ruff. And, you know, look, and, and like I said, j- focus more on the Rangers and the Devils comparison, because both of them are very young teams 
and one of them is a, a perennial playoff team, and the other is just looking and begging for scraps at this point. And that's us. Yeah, well, if anyone remembers Moneyball, they talk about, as Billy Bean said, and this is where they are, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. Well, to put it this way, I mean, we're still not out of a wild card spot, but if we can get a really good coach who really likes the pieces that we have here, who believes in the system and can do a better job of it. I think the team can have someone who is a veteran coach who knows what it takes to get the best out of everyone, both defensively and offensively. And if you can bring in, you know, some other new coaches, like if let's say Claude Julian comes in and says, sure, I'll allow Mr. Eliash to run the power play and, you know, do this and that and help clear up the offense a little bit more. And maybe someone, maybe Chris Taylor or someone else does the defensive side, you know, it would be a much cleaner coaching staff, maybe a few minds to work with and players who don't want to have to tune out, you know, the coaching staff anymore. But the past several games, like, I mean, last 10 games, they've been tuning out the coach on the ice from what I've seen in their body language. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's always hard to make those assumptions. Um, going back to what you said about uh, Claude Julian, uh, he coached the New Jersey devils, 2006, 2007, for anyone who uh, wasn't aware uh, it didn't work out. He uh, was only there for a season. He got fired, but um, uh, yeah, reunion, it, it could be possible uh Tortorello I kind of have my doubts a little bit just because you know I think we all know uh, (laughs) I think we all know what went down for the Columbus Blue Jackets just just saying like we we all know what went down and uh he wasn't able to get um really anywhere with Columbus like they were always like a first round exit but then again that's better than where we're at right now so we'll take that in a heartbeat but, uh, you know, I, I do have to give respect when respect is due because uh, uh, Tortorello and Julian, they're both um, NHL Stanley Cup winners uh, it, it, during their coaching careers. Uh, uh, Tortorello was able to Tortorello was able to do that uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning 2003-2004. And then um, uh, Claude Julian did it with the Boston Bruins uh, about 10 years ago. So, you know, got to give respect when re- respect is uh, due. But um, the Stanley Cup or a playoff experience really matter because that's another factor that I try to consider just because, you know, we need a coach who's like been there before, just like has been in the thick of things, knows like what it takes to get to the playoffs, because you're right, we're not out of a wild card spot, but just based on how we're playing right now, we're not making it any easier on ourselves. Like, I know this guy just recently resigned from Winnipeg because he mentioned that. He didn't lose the room for NHL.com, but Paul Maurice, I've always liked, you know, he's someone who felt he couldn't get the rest out of the the guys. And, but he's gotten a lot out of Winnipeg in, you know, their post Atlanta Thrashers days. And 
I like what Maurice has done. He's gotten them from being, you know, a laughing stock from relocation from Atlanta to being a guy that can get, you know, the young guys like a Shifley, Ehlers, Cop, you name it, you can name it, even Morrissey uh, in Winnipeg. And we've seen what Winnipeg could do under Paul Maurice. I like the system that he runs where he allowed, he allows his forwards to be forwards and his defensemen to, you know, be supportive and, you know, not be, you know, stationary. And they play, I know they're like a little messy this year, but they still are above 500 and we're below 500. So I'd rather have someone who's been to the playoffs the past four seasons, but hasn't gone to the Stanley Cup final yet. So it would be an upgrade over Lindy Ruff at this point, someone who's younger. Someone who's younger and just, yeah, because that's another thing. You you are absolutely right because I, I talked about this when Lindy Ruff was uh, first hired. I just said, it seems like Lindy Ruff just has one foot out the door in terms of retirement because it just doesn't seem like he has the ambition anymore to really, you know, be successful in the NHL because l- l- let me just state this for the record. He's one of the winning winningest uh, head coaches in NHL history. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but it's just like, what else does he need to accomplish? You know, it's just like he he already has, he's not going to win a Stanley Cup with the New Jersey Dells organization. It's just not going to happen. Like, you know, I, I've heard of miracles, but, you know, that that that's as high as me going to uh, Pluto and having brunch with the Pope tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that like, like it, it's nice to have, uh, you know, dreams and, and goals, but, you know, delusions, not so much. So going back to my main point, it's just like, you know, for, for Lindy Ruff, it's just like, you know, I, I, I said it on my show before. It seems like New Jersey is his final stop, regardless if he finishes out the entirety of his contract or if he's fired. I, I just don't see him being a head coach somewhere else because I think he'll retire just because it's just like, you know, what else does he need to do? Quite honestly. Right. So like, I think he has one like foot out of the door. Like, like you said, he has one foot out of the door and what else does he really want to do? Like, I was looking at this press briefing on YouTube on the doubles YouTube and I look at him talk. I'm like, I'm looking at his facial expressions. I'm thinking like, what am I really doing here? I think I've lost the room, you know, how can I get, you know, the defense and this younger coaching staff, you know, with me to get these guys rolling in the right direction. And Lenny Ruff even mentioned a few quotes during that uh conference and i just feel like he knows it's coming and i think he's gonna eventually say i think i want to retire yeah i mean i I wouldn't be surprised if he just says like we mutually decide to part ways quite honestly i I would not be surprised if that's the headline okay i'm gonna predict on this show right now I, I think once Lindy Ruff uh, and the Devils have just grown tired of everything, the Devils are going to fire him. But, you know, out of respect, they're just going to say, we decided to part ways. But I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's the headline we will see. Um, yeah, so right now the Devils are losing to the Penguins 2-1. to one. Um, Kulkinen, uh, speaking of which, was able to get a goal. So, you know, th- uh, there's that. But, you know, still, um, I kind of want to, like, end on a positive note. So, because, you know, I, like I said, I, I like to think of myself as one of the most optimistic people in terms of the devil's expectations. Um, 
who has been a surprisingly good player for you? Like someone that just like, you know, cause we have expectations for Jack Hughes. We have expectations for Nico Heizer, you know, Jesper Brat to an extent, like who's someone that's genuinely surprised you? Well, you know what? I kind of had expectations for this guy, but surprised me a little bit more this season was Andreas Janssen or Johnson, if you will, for some of you in the mainstream media, but, I really like the way he's starting to come around a little bit more, not just being a, a two-way player, but he's starting to chip in on that uh, Brat and Mercer line. And I think he's starting to get used to playing in New Jersey than playing in Toronto now, like now that he's gotten through this whole switching from here and there from Toronto with post-COVID uh, shortened season. So it's like, I really like what he's doing. Yeah, so I would definitely have to agree with you, uh, Andreas Janssen or Johnson. I, I, I still, I, I will still call him Janssen just because it rolls off the tongue better. But um, yes, <laughs> he, I, 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 I said going into this season, and you've probably heard me say this on my show before. I said, look, I'm not giving up on Andreas Janssen quite yet, but I said give him at least half a season to prove his worth. At least give him that time frame just so he can redeem himself and if, if it's not working out then you got to find a trade option for him because um i believe he's in the second year of his three-year contract please do not quote me on that i i'm going based off of sheer memory at this point so um <laughs> uh, i i just said like you know because because andreas Janssen, he does have some upside i think back to his toronto maple leafs days just a couple um years ago in which he put up solid numbers, nothing spectacular, nothing to like write home about, but certainly uh, something that's valuable for the New, Jer New Jersey Devils roster and something that can, you know, potentially give us a prospect if we did decide to trade him. So um, yeah, I would have to agree with you. Andreas Janssen has been a surprise. And I, I, I told people at the beginning of the summer, give Andreas Janssen just half a season, just give him half a season to prove and redeem himself. And if he's not proven himself by the trade deadline, then, you know, you got to, try to find suitors. Otherwise you, you, you don't want to essentially give them up for nothing, but uh, I don't want to piggyback off you. So I'm going to go with Dawson. <laughs> I'm going to go with the rookie Dawson Mercer, because I think Dawson Mercer this season has been just like my favorite player, because I think out of all the players I tweet about uh, or talk about Dawson Mercer is always in a positive light. Um, I, I, I even uh, predicted for him to do something against the Detroit Red Wings, because here's an opportunity for him to go up against some other young opponents that, he's going to be uh, contending for, for the Calder Memorial trophy. But at this point, I think Lucas Raymond has this in the bag, barring anything catastrophic happening, like say an injury unexpectedly. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying, you know, just saying, but um, you know uh, yeah, I think Lucas Raymond pretty much has that in, in, in the bag. So, but you know, I just said, give Dawson Mercer some more credit. I, I was telling people like, you know, cause you know, we saw that amazing assist that Trevor Zegras had and um oh yeah yeah exactly your your reaction just just describes the everyone michigan else. goal i know i know so i was like yep after that he has definitely moved past dawson mercer no ifs ands or buts about it so i think dawson mercer is hovering around like um fourth or fifth in terms of the calder memorial trophy uh race i think he'll get a couple first place votes but uh, i think they will mostly come from people who are associated with the uh, more of the east coast teams uh in my opinion like I, I don't know who like i don't i don't know what will happen but dawson mercer has definitely been the biggest surprise for me this season because we talked about alexander holtz 
throughout the entirety of the offseason, whether he, if he was going to be ready or not. But Dawson Mercer, even though we did have expectations for him, I think he's uh, passed Alexander Holtz for best uh, player we drafted in last year's NHL draft. That might be a hot take, but, you know, just just look where he's at and look where Holtz is at. Mentioned uh, Mercer uh, passing Holtz in uh, the development side. I mean, I would think so, because it's just like we gave Holtz a chance to, like, prove his worth. And unfortunately, he just wasn't ready. But, you know, Dawson Mercer was ready. And I said at the beginning of the season when we were going over our um, our roster um, in terms of who will make the final roster, I said, look, I expect both Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer to make the roster. However, if I had to pick, if I had to pick, if I had to make a choice, if uh, someone said you make that choice or you're fired, I would say Dawson Mercer. Like I, I said, I said it on my show and I said, might be a little bit of a hot take, but I just see more potential out of Dawson Mercer over Alexander Holtz for the time being. And I was right. Right. Well, I will throw this in there. Like I wasn't surprised that Dawson Mercer would light the world on fire because, you know, following him in the, his draft year, you know, for Shakutami, the Saguenin, and the QMJHL in uh, Quebec, he's been one of those guys that I really liked as a two-way player. And to me, he's a future Selkie Trophy Award winner and a very likely get help get the Devils back to a playoff spot. I know anyone listening to this podcast right now, we're in a rut right now. But if you're listening to this a year or a few later, and this team is out of the funk and making this team win a ton and he's on the team. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alexander Holtz back there because Holtz is going to play one of his last several games in the world juniors for Sweden. And it's only going to help him develop better in his age group against the best in the under twenties. And don't forget Shakir Muhammadulin is going to be in his last uh, World Juniors for Russia. So um, it's going to be good for the Devils. And eventually we're going to get all those uh, 20 picks, uh, 2021, 2021 picks in soon. Oh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Dawson Mercer's defense because I actually wrote about it for uh, Pucks and Pitchforks when he was playing uh, for that Quebec league, he actually, it, it, correct me if I'm mistaken, I think he actually did w- win an award for his defense. So I said in that article, I said, hey, don't sleep on Dawson Mercer's defense either. Like his offense is impressive, but, you know, his, his defense also got him uh, NHL attention as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, I remember writing that about that for the Pucks, Pucks and Pitchforks. So I'm glad you uh, brought that up. And uh, Mukama Doolin gained I, – I, I, he gained a lot of weight uh, over the offseason. It's good, though. It's good, though, because he'll uh, fit into the Sasquatch squad, as you like to yes. call, as you like to call our defense, Sasquatch squad. Yeah, well, with Christian Yarosh being out due to COVID-19 protocol, and, you know, they started to get a little bit of Kevin Ball in there. I mean, the Devils need to have that size and mobility and the offensive and defensive potential. I just think with a newer coaching staff, they could be more effective and be able to do what they can do better day in, day out and become a force over time. And like, did anyone think like when Kenny Danico and, you know, the young devil's defense in the 
late 80s, early 90s would turn into something that would help them win, you know, three Stanley Cups later. I mean, there is a beginning of a recipe. It's just a matter of having the right cooks in the kitchen and how many are there to advise this recipe. I kind of like that analogy. That's actually very good. Like we have the ingredients. We just need the right chef to, to cook it all together. And, you know, we're, we, the fans are like Gordon Ramsay. We're trying to pick that best chef or, or the front office is that they got to pick that right chef to uh, basically put everything together. So that way we could get back to where we know we can be. And obviously we had mild expectations coming into this year. Um, so, so, so yeah, it's just like, um, uh, we, we can get there. I know we can. And I know we're in a dark place right now, but I guess I'd rather be in this dark place now compared to like last year where we, it was towards the end and everything was just pointless and it just made it worse. But I, I think we could turn around come mid season in, in my opinion, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So um, yeah. Uh, Jersey Joe, any final thoughts? Final thoughts is, just keep your eye on the world juniors. The devils have a couple of prospects there. And then just keep an eye on, you know, anything, get ready for the, the COVID-19 break. Uh, there is a bit of a break there where the teams are just going to, you know, take a little pause and we're going to see what happens. I mean, we're likely not going to see any other um, games up in Canada or back in the States from games, you know, being played from Canadian teams. So it's going to be, I guess, back to playing U.S. teams to this point. And I guess things are going to be, get reconfigured and there's all this other stuff going on since Omicron is um, picking in in Canada and U.S. And we're just um, – we're not out of the woods yet. And like this team, we're not out of the woods yet either. But we will get to the end of the tunnel. Well, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's always darkest before the dawn. And um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, hopefully we can get this COVID uh, situation worked out. Like I said, um, I, I've shared my opinions on it in, in my show. I just, uh, I, I, my main priority is the safety and well-being for everyone. But like, like, uh, like I mentioned before on my show, I stand by my opinions and uh, in terms of how we should handle it. And quite honestly, maybe we should take the NFL route and just stop, uh, testing vaccinated players if they're asymptomatic that that's my personal opinion but you know I know some people can disagree with me in that regards but I think it's the right direction to take but like I said safety and well-being is top priority when dealing with something like this so my final thoughts is that I just hope that the devils just turn it around I know we can we have too much talent on this team um and, and also I hope once we get Miles Wood back I I highly doubt we'll see him uh again this season if I'm being completely honest I'd be stunned if he does return, but you know, if he, if, if he miraculously is able to come back this season at, at any point, then I just hope for a, uh, just some more energy and just more spark. Cause I think that's what we're missing. We're missing our spark plug. And, you know, you got Nathan Bash and Mikey McLeod doing everything they could potentially do, but only they could do so much in terms of just lighting a fire under us. And uh, same with Gerson, even though I've clowned on him on my show before, but you know, um, <laughs> uh, it, it, that, that's how he, that's how he uh, feeds his family. That's how he pays the bills. And I'm not going to fault him for that, but I just wish he would play better. That's my thing. So, you know, yeah, I just, I just wish that he would play, you know, a little bit smarter. I mean, he could play a little bit rough and tumble, but 
I would like to see him get some offense going, but also provide more defense instead of just, you know, being a brawler all the time. But there, you have to manage that excess energy and use it more towards the game and not at the end of the game because it does you no good at the end, like that game versus Vegas. But really what I want to see done is the the players and the coaches being able to cooperatively, uh, cooperatively work together as a whole. And I know I've, I mentioned the art of war recently, but you also got to have a self of direction. And to me, I find like it's really hard to win games when you're not following those pillars and to kind of clear up, like one of my favorite quotes is if words of command are not clear and distinct, if orders are not, thoroughly understood then the general is to blame but if orders are clear and the soldiers nevertheless disobey then it is the fault of their officers for sun tzu you know my my dad is big on the like civil war and things of that nature so i think i think you and him would get along just fine but um uh (laughs) jersey joe thank you for taking time to just you know sulk in this misery and uh we definitely need to do this again Yes, we do. And uh, matter of fact, enjoy those Omaha steaks this holiday season. Christmas is upon us. Kwanzaa is upon us. Um, happy Festivus. Um, World Juniors is coming up. So keep your eyes peeled. And I always say, let's go Devils no matter what. You're right. And you, you know me. I love Omaha steaks. Got to feed it to my family during Christmas time. Great deal. So uh, you, you do listen to my show. I do appreciate you. And uh, maybe we can give uh, some steaks to the Sasquatch squad if they do well. Oh, well, might as well got to get the uh, phone number for the, the Devils training staff so <laughs> they can use a promo code. Locked on, everybody.